You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Landmarks. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program. At the outset I want to say that the issues I will be speaking about today are very challenging. Landmarks. If you're an experienced in bushwalking, you would know that in order not to get lost, it is wise to pick out a landmark in the distance and head for it rather than assuming you're going in the right direction. You might have heard of people who became lost who thought they were heading in a certain direction, but who found after walking for a few hours that they'd been going around in circles. Landmarks, sometimes referred to as waymarks, are important. Explorers used landmarks and maps, uh, and maps made by these explorers usually showed what the landmarks were. They were mountains, tall trees, and other outstanding geographical features. Even in towns and cities we use landmarks such as particular buildings, unusual fences, outstanding gardens, monuments, and of course certain trees. Navigation is made easier by using landmarks. Recently I was reading an article outlining some of the more recent happenings in the United Kingdom relating to the newly introduced laws on legalising same-sex marriage. Interestingly, that term, same-sex marriage, seems to be fading from popular usage, being replaced by LGBT. Well, there's actually a bit more. It's LGBTQI. Do you know what that stands for? It is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and intersex. The article I read explained how the British Broadcasting Commission has produced nine online videos for use in schools under the heading Big Talk to help with the new sexuality and relationships curriculum that came into force in September 2019. In these films, typically running to four minutes, children are taught that sex is unrelated to gender, that people can go to prison for being disrespectful or hateful to others with different sexual orientations, and that there are over 100 different gender identities. The article made this comment. Yes, you read that correctly. More than 100 gender identities have now been coined to cater for every possible choice that certain people have made regarding their sexuality. It was widely reported in the UK media that the BBC encourages celebration of this plethora of genders. To question this ideology is now considered rank heresy. However, the BBC's teaching will only sow further confusion in our society. 
The unpalatable truth is that a radical, dangerous philosophy is now being forced upon the young and vulnerable as part of the advancement of an extreme political ideology. It is of grave concern that the BBC is preaching this new all-inclusive doctrine to children as young as 9 to 12 years of age. However, they have lower age limits in practice. The Coalition for Marriage reports children as young as four are being instructed in transgenderism. This, according to the article, is a gravely concerning situation. Now, it's my opinion that some of the laws that have been enacted over the last few years, although they claim to encourage a more tolerant society, are actually having the opposite effect. The Bible has had for centuries laws regarding respect, respect of human rights and respect in dealings with other people. Those laws are embodied firstly in the Ten Commandments, spoken and written by God on stone. Those commandments were given by a wise and powerful God who not only created humans but took extreme measures to save fallen humanity. Secondly, those laws were embodied in the teachings and practice of Jesus, who expounded that mankind should adopt the golden rule and treat others as we would like to be treated ourselves. The golden rule is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and, of course, was spoken by Jesus. And this is how it reads in the New King James Version of the Bible. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. And then he added, For this is the law and the prophets, as I was sharing about the Ten Commandments earlier. The teaching throughout the Bible, and especially highlighted in the New Testament, is that we should love God and love our fellow man. Love is to be the operative motive in all our relationships. Jesus further explained in answer to a question put to him about the greatest commandment. His answer was, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, and you'll find that written in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. Now, that's what would happen in an ideal society. But we are not in an ideal society so governments enact laws governing treatment of social minorities. But have you noticed that as society becomes more and more secular and governments enact legislation promoting greater tolerance, there seems to be an increasing intolerance to those who identify themselves as Christians?
No, I'm not talking here about those who practice a mere form of Christianity, but those who are sincere, Bible-believing, fundamentalist Christians. Yes, it is true that there are some laws protecting the rights of Christians and other religious groups, allowing them to practice their religion without interference, provided they are respectful and peaceful. The Apostle Paul made a statement in Galatians 3 verse 28 about issues that divided society in his time by saying, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So what are some issues that divide society today. According to survey results published in an article in the US News on April 25, 2018, these are the top three social dividers in our time. Most think the highest tensions exist between people with different political views. The second top tension is between rich and poor people. And the third top tension is between immigrants and citizens in individual countries. Put in a modern context, the Apostle Paul may have said the following if he was here today. There is neither conservative nor socialist, rich nor poor, citizen nor immigrant, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Jonathan Sachs, in a lecture given at King's College London, noted that there are seven distinctive features given to society through the Judeo-Christian faith. They are, one, the dignity of each and every human being because of having been created by God. 2. Emphasis on human freedom and choice and the personal responsibility that comes with it. 3. The sanctity of human life. 4. A culture of righteousness as opposed to a culture of guilt and shame. 5. The sanctity of marriage. 6. The health of society measured by how it treats its most vulnerable members. And seven, human political power and authority is subject to God's power and authority. Sachs concludes, Those are the seven features that I think make biblical ethics different from any other ethical system. It is the only ethical system in which love and forgiveness are at the heart of the moral life. Yet, he adds, it seems to me that all seven of those beliefs are currently at risk. The first, and that's about human dignity, is being attacked by some strains of evolutionary biology which question the distinctive quality of humans in respect of animals.
The second, which was about freedom, is threatened by scientific theories that hold human life is entirely determined by physical, biological and psychological factors, but not spiritual factors. The third is about the holiness of life, and that is under threat by a widespread culture of abortion and euthanasia and other forms of maltreatment of our fellow human beings. Fourth, he says, is a culture of justice and guilt is being replaced in many places by one of honour and shame, especially with the frequent phenomenon of trial by public shaming. Fifth, he says, the institution of marriage and family is tottering in many parts of the world. In some places, as many as half of children are born out of wedlock, and half of all marriages end in divorce. And all this gives rise to a generalised increase in poverty, particularly among children. Sixth, he maintains, a sense of solidarity is substantially absent in many parts of the world. Society is like a hotel, where each one can do what they like in their room as long as they pay their taxes and do not disturb their neighbours. The situation of others is of no concern to them. In respect to the seventh and last contribution, that all power should be subject to the divine, it has become all too easy to move from saying, I have a right to do such and such, to I am right to do such and such. Whatever is not forbidden by civil law is considered to be morally acceptable and therefore reasonable. Morality has become confused with the observa observation or the keeping of public law. Well, we're going to have a little break here and I'm going to go on and comment on some of this a little bit later. Hey 
believe the new laws relating to sexuality are based on a give the people what they want rather than on what the higher authority, God, expects. These new laws are relative rather than absolute. They embody a social majority opinion rather than what is actually good for the people. The BBC videos I referred to earlier are shown to children as young as four years of age. The one entitled What is Sexual Health, according to the article I read, promotes unrestrained sexual behaviour without reference to abstinence, sexual purity or lifelong commitment in marriage. Another video about confusing gender and orientation moves seamlessly from gender identity to sexual orientation without distinguishing between psychology and practice. The sexual revolution started within academia and it has thrown wide the door to accepting ever-increasing behavioural aberrations. Recently, Canadian academic Christopher Demitt a leader in the field of historical gender studies bluntly admitted, everyone was and is making it up. That's how the gender studies field works. Demet confesses that his field is driven by the underlying, unproven, ideological belief that gender is socially constructed that it is non-binary, that is, not restricted to male and female. Such thinking has dominated the liberal arts in Western academic institutions since the 1990s. But such an ideology, Dermot admits, is bankrupt, not based on biological fact. I believe that what the BBC has done to promote the liberal attitude toward gender is the tip of the iceberg that is destroying the social fabric of modern society. SBS Television has put to air a very comprehensive series of programs examining the rise of Nazism in Germany and, of course, the role of the Nazis and Hitler during the Second World War. Part of Hitler's success was through education. This was done in schools and through public speeches and printed material that Jews, the disabled, non-Caucasians and any other minority group should be eliminated. Those who assisted in eliminating anyone of those groups were to be considered heroes rather than villains. Even well after the war was finished, elderly people who were thus indoctrinated as children and young people still held their superiority views. So, in my opinion, the tolerance to sexual orientation as being presented to young children via the BBC videos and the new curriculum is not developing a morally better society. It is designed to manipulate people, 
to accept that they should have what they want, regardless of any other implications. Society seems to believe that whatever is popular is right, and I'd like to add that sometimes things might be legal, but they're not necessarily right. In short, I feel the concept of sexual freedom is retrograde rather than beneficial. Another concern I have is where does it all stop? Given the liberality already promoted, will it be legal in the future to have sexual relations with minors, animals, or in public places? Will pedophilia be acceptable? And anyone speaking out against it be subject to harsh discipline? The BBC videos raise many questions, such as why are children being brainwashed with adult themes? Can't children just remain in innocence until they're old enough to cope with all those sexuality matters? Secondly, who determines the restraints, the parameters, the guidelines of such information? Thirdly, the newly enacted same-sex marriage laws include some very stern penalties for anyone who speaks out against same-sex marriage or against those whose sexual preferences differ from the norm. Why exclude the right to free speech on this matter? Why, for example, do not the same penalties apply to anyone who speaks out against Christianity. What's good for Peter should be good for Paul, is the old saying, and I agree with it. The legislation in upholding the right of LGBTs to live as they choose, on the other hand, has removed the right of free speech, one of the basic rights embodied in the American Constitution and of that of other democratic countries. Did you know that in some parts of the world to use the word Christmas is illegal? Shouldn't the laws that relate to the LGBTs apply equally to all minority groups, including those who choose to honour Christ? I suspect the same-sex marriage legislation has been driven by some very vocal activists who have influenced legislators to include harsh penalties against those who oppose it. But why impose such penalties? It is my firm opinion those penalties are put in place because the law is bad law. In other words, you've got to accept it or else. And I also suspect that the LGBT legislation is acceptable to many people because society has been and is constantly being bombarded with evolution theory which claims that man has merely involved, sorry, evolved from some primitive amoral, that is without morals, life form. Therefore, absolute moral behaviour does not matter.
So then, where are the landmarks? Is there any guidance in matters involving human rights and freedoms apart from majority acceptance? Yes, the parameters in determining human behaviour are to be found in that time-honoured book, the Bible, especially in the Ten Commandments. Because of that, the Bible and the kind of majority opinion supporting the LGBT legislation are at odds. The Bible clearly explains in Genesis 1.27 that God made only male and female when he created mankind. At creation, the marriage was instituted between a man and a woman. And at the same time, God instituted the basic unit of society, the family, consisting of father, mother and children. God also instructed his people about proper and improper sexual relations. And you can read all about that in Leviticus chapter 18. The waymarks have been set by God. They determine what is moral and immoral behaviour. In the end of time, there will only be two groups of people on this earth, those who honour and obey God and those who don't. And Revelation chapter 22 outlines the ultimate destiny for each group. In verses 14 and 15, the Bible says this, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the holy city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And that is magnified in Revelation 21.7, where it says, He who overcomes will inherit paradise, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. The saved, the first group, will be given eternal life. As for the rest, they'd better enjoy what they're doing because this is all they get. <laughs> 